episode of The Good Vanilla, a Barefoot Contessa podcast where the chicken stock is homemade, store-bought is just fine, and the vanilla is always good. I am your host, Nick Kachanov, and today we're talking about Ina's barn and lunch, uh, which are my two favorite topics. But before we get into that, how is everyone? Are we doing all right? I didn't put out an episode last week. I was, uh, well, I guess if I'm going to be totally transparent, the week snuck up on me and I blinked and it was Thursday. I was so ahead of it the week before I recorded it like almost a week in advance. And sometimes it just, I don't know. I feel like I'm still like getting into the groove of the new year, if that makes sense. I've been feeling like I don't know, I've been feeling off. I've been feeling a little blue lately. Everything's fine. I don't know, maybe it's the weather. Who knows? But I I was just not in the right frame of mind to record last week. But I am back this week, and I am happy to report that Ina was in the headlines this week for an Instagram comment on, I guess it was Reese Witherspoon's Instagram account. So let me just pull it up here. So Reese put, I guess this was, I don't know what picture coincided with this, but Reese Witherspoon put on Instagram, let's talk about habits. Are there any that have improved your daily life? Here are some I'm working towards. And then she lists a couple of her habits. So the first one is start the day with a big glass of water. Number two is get 10 minutes of outdoor light. And then she like, mentions Huber, Huberman Lab, recommends morning light. I have no idea what Huberman Lab is, so if someone does, let me know. And then uh, number three is spend 30 to 60 minutes reading without distraction every day. Number four is in bed by 10 p.m., no late night TV binges, try to get eight hours of rest. That's a tall order. I mean, I feel these days... Oh, gosh, I don't know. More more on that later. But Ina, God bless her. <laughs> kind of, it was, I don't, it's not like she's roasting Reese Witherspoon, but like, it just made me laugh. Like her response to this is, uh, so she wrote to quote, and then she mentioned like at Reese Witherspoon, that sounds great, but I'm probably not doing any of those things. <laughs> and then she continued to say, LOL, two exclamation points. My formula is easier to follow. Number one. Drink more large cosmos. Number two, stay up late watching addictive streaming series. Number three, stay in bed in the morning playing Sudoku instead of reading a good book. Number four, spend more time safely with people you love. In a pandemic, I do what I can. And then she put three heart emojis. I mean, Ina just, I mean, she gets it. She gets me. I feel like she gets all of us. I, I just feel... No, I mean, unless someone's telling me to do that, unless someone's like preparing my meals and handing me water and like, I don't know, I can't read a book anymore for more than like 10 minutes. I think it's just like my ADHD acting up. I just like get too excited and then I just, then I just have to go on and do something else. But I, that made me giggle. I feel like she was all over the headlines because of her. I think Ina's like the only person who could get away with that, I guess. Um, and, and to second that, I just like, I have, I guess I have no energy yet in 2022 for any sort of like renewal or like new habits. So I don't know, here's to hoping that will change sometime soon. But, um, 
Until then, let's let's do lunch. Let's get into this episode. So this is season nine, episode three, and it is called Blueprint Lunch. And I feel like that's a tongue twister. Blueprint lunch, blueprint lunch, blueprint lunch. Almost got it. There are a lot of tongue twisters in this episode. As I was typing notes, I was saying it in my head. We'll get to it, though. Hopefully, I uh, I passed the test. So Ina begins this episode. She's out in her, her garden with the barn in the background. She's wearing like a white, you know, dress shirt. <laughs> so she says, I'm building a barn in my garden with a working kitchen, and I love my architect. I wanted to say thank you to his whole team, and I thought, what better way to make them a wonderful lunch? Miguel is doing a table for me. It's going to be amazing. I think we have the blueprint for a perfect lunch. For place cards, I'm making shortbread cookies in the shape of hammers with everyone's name on it. And they're going to... Sorry, I I like had a stroke as I was reading this. And they're going to do double duty as dessert. A lot of D's in that sentence. And a big lobster paella that's so easy to make. I'm serving it with a refreshing grapefruit and avocado salad. And to drink, a lemony Californian iced tea. I love when a good plan comes together. Okay, so a few things about this intro here before we begin. Number one, for anyone who knows, like, it's not a barn. It's basically, it's like a guest house. It is a home. It does not look like, I, I picture like, even like an updated, like rustic barn. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a house. And and I'm not throwing shade at Ina, like she can call it whatever she wants. But like if someone was to look at that in her backyard, I would say, oh, is that the guest house? Um, but it's not. <laughs> and and two, uh, I'm so glad to see Miguel again. I feel like Miguel is, I said it before too, like I thought TR was the most frequent guest. And maybe it's just the luck of the draw that I've just been picking a lot of Miguel episodes recently. But um I'm always happy to see Miguel. He does great things. And this tablescape is one of my favorites. I think he really outdoes himself in this episode. So uh, let's let's get into it. So Ina starts with some shortbread cookies. These are the ones that are eventually going to be in the shape of hammers, which I think is so cute. Uh, she starts uh, with three sticks of butter in the standing mixer, and then she adds one cup of sugar and then turns the mixer on. And then she adds one teaspoon of good vanilla to the mix. And then uh, she starts with the dry ingredients, which is three and a half cups of flour and a quarter teaspoon of salt. Uh, She gives that a sift, and then she adds it slowly to the butter and sugar mixture. This dough looks, I mean, we all know that I am a dough girl. I love cookie dough. I love bread dough. (laughs) I just want to eat it all. I would, uh, they should have... I mean, I think that there should be, I probably said this on the podcast before, so I apologize if I'm repeating myself, but I mean, I'm all, I'm always down for like chocolate chip cookie dough. I think they should have like sugar cookie dough. I think they should have shortbread cookie dough, peanut butter cookie dough. I feel like they have peanut butter cookie dough. Um, What else would be really good? Like what other kind of cookie, like a gingerbread cookie dough? I'd be down for that. That would be real good with like pumpkin ice cream. I think someone needs to make that happen and, uh, you know, give me 10% and we'll call it a deal. Okay. Um, but I, I just love dough and, uh, Ina actually says this is her favorite cookie and I do love a shortbread cookie. I love a shortbread cookie with a cup of tea. I love it with a cup of coffee. I love any sort of dessert that has a shortbread base. So I agree, Ina, she kind of goes on to talk about like how 
versatile versatile it is you could add like coconut flakes or almonds or whatever you want it's just like a really versatile dough so she forms the dough into a disc and then wraps it in plastic wrap to give it a quick cool down in the fridge and next Ina turns to the camera and says now I'm going to figure out what Miguel is up to why do I think it's going to be just fabulous so we cut to Miguel who has like I just said outdone himself with this table it is a homemade table really consisting of two sawhorses with a big slab of wood on top of it it's very you know it's it's a blueprint dinner it's very construction worker chic i'll say um and for placemats he had some photocopies made of the blueprints for ina's barn it's really cute um and then he has these hunter green it's, it's not hunter green it's just like a beautiful shade of green i don't I, I've often mentioned this shade of green before. I need to, like, go to, like, I don't know, Lowe's or something and figure out what color this is. But anyway, it's, like, it's a beautiful color green, like a burnt orange, a mustard yellow, and they're fabric samples that Miguel is going to cut up and then hang them from the pergola outside, which I was like, whoa. Um, and, oh, well, more about that later. But I just think it's perfection. I, I love all the ideas. Miguel is a genius. Um, I don't know to what extent the construction workers will acknowledge and appreciate Miguel's attention to detail, but I see you, Miguel, and I say bravo. This is, this is great. So, Ina lets Miguel get back to work and heads back inside to make California iced tea, which is half iced tea and half fresh lemonade, which is essentially an Arnold Palmer. So, and she does mention it, so she mentions it in, like, just a second, so I, but I guess it doesn't matter, it's, you know, Ina can call it whatever she wants. Um, I will also add, or maybe remind you, gentle listeners, that I feel, iced tea is, like, the devil's drink. I hate it. I just never got into it, and I know that, like, 98% of the population, like, lives for iced tea, and yes, I've tried sweet tea. Maybe I've not had like legit southern sweet tea. I'm I will always try it. It doesn't like repulse me, but I don't really love it. And like my whole family, like we used to make sun tea and my mom would always have iced tea in the fridge. And I guess I I remember having like an Ar Arnold Palmer, that's one of the tongue twisters. Um when I was younger like at a picnic, my mom would make them and I I would drink this it'd be fine, but I would want some sort of, I would want like some sort of hard liquor in it. I don't know, but I just, I like hot tea. I am a fan of like a good, strong English breakfast tea. Like I, I will drink hot tea till the cows come home, but I don't really love cold tea. It's like my, my grandma, like she does not like, like she does not understand iced coffee. She's like, why would you want your coffee cold? And that's how I feel about tea. Like Coffee, in her mind, is supposed to be hot, and tea, in my mind, is supposed to be hot. So, there we have it. I don't know. Um, so, anyway, Ina starts with the tea. She puts uh, four tea bags into that, that big Pyrex that I love and adds four cups of boiling water to it to let it steep. She sets that aside and gets to chopping. Uh, she's chopping lemons just in half because she needs one cup of lemon juice. And... She juices them, and uh, as she juices them, she gives a shout-out to Arnold Palmer, which is, you know, essentially what this drink is. Apparently, he sort of originated it, and now everyone loves them, so there's that. 
so she pours the lemon juice into a tall pitcher and then adds three quarters of a cup of superfine sugar since it dissolves better. And then she adds four cups of water and gives it a big stir. Pretty easy to make, I will say. Um, and then it's time for the tea bags to come out. So she pours the brewed tea into the lemon juice and then slices a few lemons to put in it. It looks it looks refreshing. Again, if this was the only thing to drink, I would drink it. But I wouldn't I wouldn't love it. <laughs> I don't know. There are like a lot of things in this episode that I don't love. So just a, a little deep tease there. Um, so she puts that in the fridge and now it's time to cut out her sugar cookies. So she rolls out the sugar cookie dough into a quarter inch thick like disc, you know, and the hammer is a really cute idea. I must admit, I don't really bake cookies that often or especially like sugar cookies. If you're going to do a sugar cookie in the shape of something, my only stipulation is to have it be a little bit chewy Um, because I mean, every time I don't know when I see when I'm, you know, the holidays just happen whenever I reach for like a cookie like in the sh- like a sugar cookie in the shape of a candy cane, I just like I- I'm touching it and I'm like, is this gonna be hard as a rock or is this gonna be good? So to me, that's like I want a soft sugar cookie. But um, where was I going with all this? There's a- there's a store um, in Pittsburgh, not too far away from me. That it's you know it's called the Kitchen Store, I think, and it's amazing. I like I could spend like four hours in that store because it's like it's one of those stores when you walk in and you're like, I didn't know I needed a you know a crazy gadget on like how to store your avocados you know what I mean like just things that you would have never thought of and some of them are really cool and everything's like a million dollars but I just love being in that they have like a lot of Le Creuset is it Le Creuset or Le Creuset have I been saying it wrong the whole time I don't know maybe I should look that up let me look it up real quick I'm gonna I'm gonna hit pause for a second here Okay, so I'm back. I found a YouTube video. You're not going to believe this, ladies and gentlemen. This is I'm going to I'm going to play this because I feel like everyone's been pronouncing it wrong. So here we go. We are looking at how to pronounce le creuset. The T at the end of creuset is definitely silent. Le creuset is how it would be said in France. But it'd be fine in English or American to say le creuset. Le creuset or in French Le Crozet? Oh my gosh. I've been saying it crazy. And the reason why I'm looking this up is because I'm about to roast Ina for her pronunciation pronunciation of paella, which we'll get to in just a second. But uh, that was was a tangent. Let's let's get back to where we're going here. So uh, the kitchen store, what I was trying to say before I got sidetracked is that they have like a whole wall of... Uh, cookie cutters and some of them are really really cute so I think that this is a really cute idea I love that she um, had the idea to put their names on them too I thought that was really special so she cuts out the hammers with the the cookie cutter and then puts them on a parchment paper lined sheet pan and she continues to cut them out and then she peeks up to the camera it's it's just really cute she's like this is too much fun she she says and then just kind of chuckles to herself I really, uh, I believe her. I feel like she's having a good time cutting these cookies out. Uh, So she dusts them with like a sprinkling of granulated sugar on top and throws them into the oven. And next we check back in with Miguel, who is outside cutting the fabric samples. And there's this also, there's like also a great shade of blue that I missed from before too, which I I love this color palette. Like if anyone watches this episode on Discovery Plus, Plus or elsewhere, like like the blue the green the orange and the yellow like I just I love everything that's happening um 
We see Miguel hanging the samples from the pergola, and I admit it looks a little chaotic, but Miguel has never let us down before, so I, I think I'm just going to trust the process here. Um, so next we're back inside, and Ina is taking the sugar cookies out of the oven. They look perfect. And then we get into the paella versus paella. So I was going to make a joke about the pronunci pronunciation. It's so ironic that I can't say the word pronunciation today. Um, anyway, uh, because Keon's mom, every time we go, not every time, but um, I feel like she's made it twice when we go to visit New Hampshire, she, or even like when she comes here, sometimes uh, her and, or Keon's parents, both of them come here. We might go to, there's a really great Spanish restaurant. I don't know if it's still open. Oh my goodness. Um, anyway, and she always calls it paella. She's like, I want the good paella. And it is great. I love paella, but it's just like funny. And I never correct her because who cares? But I just feel like paella or like Ina specifically saying paella is just a travesty. So the first thing she says is for lobster, for, for lobster, for lobster paella, I'm going to turn it up to 425. And that was the first thing. And I was like, whoa, well, maybe she just said it once the wrong way. And then she says it again. She says, I'll show you how to make a really good paella. And I was just like, whoa, I just couldn't believe that. I don't know that they were letting her get away with that. I, I, I feel like, I don't know. It's just, um, it's interesting because she bounces back and forth between the correct pronunciation and the incorrect. So Let's get into it. She has some olive oil in a big pot and then chops up some onions. And then she cuts up some red bell peppers to julienne into half inch strips. Next up is garlic, about four or five cloves. Ina likes lots of garlic, she says. Uh, next is two cups of rice. I feel like she used basmati rice, which is like not the rice to use, but I feel like, you know, it's her recipe. She'll just go for it. So she adds two cups of basmati rice and then five cups of homemade chicken stock. Uh, so now, now it's time for some great seasoning, she says. So she puts in a pinch of saffron, which Ina says, it's amazing. Wait, what does she say? What am I'm looking at my notes are amazing. Yeah, my notes didn't make sense. She says, it's just amazing. They're the stamens of crocuses. Can you imagine collecting them? And then she just like looks off into the distance. Um, and then she adds some red pepper flakes, some salt and pepper. And then she puts the lid on it and throws it into the oven at 425 for 15 minutes. That's pretty quick to make like the base of this. Uh, so next we flash forward 15 minutes and she takes it out of the oven and she goes, ugh, that's a lot of paella. And she says it perfectly. But then she goes back. We'll get to it later. But um, she gives it a big stir and then throws it back into the oven for a little bit longer without the lid. Just to, I forget why she said like to not to crisp up the rice by any means, but to dry it out like a little bit just to like absorb that last bit of liquid. So it's not too like gloopy, I guess. Um, so next, Ina ices the shortbread cookies and the underscoring for this section is crazy. It's like I it's like a karaoke track for Salt and Peppa's Shoop. There are like record scratching sounds. It's like it is wild. I've never heard any music like this. And it's not even like all she's doing is like putting 
frosting on these like shortbread hammers. It's, <laughs> I have no idea why they went this route, but um, I quite enjoyed it. It's very quiet, but you you start to hear like as soon as she goes over to the cookies, you start to hear that that record scratch sound. It's truly something. But anyway, uh, she dumps some confectioner sugar into a bowl and then puts in some lemon juice to make it smooth. Uh, and then she adds a quarter cup of corn syrup to make it even more free-flowing, is what she said. Uh, but I feel like that's a nice tip. I feel like, I mean, again, I'm not making uh, shortbread cookies anytime soon. But for anyone who does or is, uh, there you go. So Ina prepares a pastry bag with a fine tip for the icing so she can spell everyone's name and then gets to it. So the first name is Frank Greenwald, who is the architect. Uh, next up, we have Laura, Joe, and Miguel. And speaking of Miguel, the table is complete. The fabric samples are a triumph. They are swaying back and forth in the wind. They are There are fresh herbs on the table. It looks fun and fabulous. It really does look cool. I, I mean, is it extra? A little bit. But I think it's also fun and like whimsical. I don't know. I really liked it a lot. And the colors are great, as I mentioned before. So Ina is back inside to make one last side for lunch. She's making a salad, which is grapefruit and avocado. And just like iced tea is the devil's drink, grapefruit, in my opinion, is the devil's fruit. I <laughs> I know a lot of people love it, but I don't know. I feel like I feel like grapefruit juice and cocktails is particularly like trendy these days. I have tried a Paloma before. It's fine. It's not my favorite drink. But even I just like remember when I was younger, my mom and my grandma would be on diets and they would like eat half a grapefruit for breakfast with sugar on it. And I remember like tating, I remember taking a bite of it and it was just like a shock to my system. It's like it's like one step away from a lemon. Like it is tart. I just don't love it. But again, I know a lot of people do. So um, I don't know. Those are my opinions. I Would I try this, though? I would definitely try it. I don't know if I would think of this recipe on my own. It's like I feel like the buttery texture of the avocado with like the grapefruit might contradict each other. But maybe it works. Maybe it's something crazy like, um, you know, the strawberries with balsamic vinegar. Oh, speaking of um, uh, just like weird things that go together, I tried this. At this point, this is like an old TikTok trend, but I saw people cutting like a date in half, like a dried date. Um, our dates, dates are always dried. doesn't matter. Um, so you cut it in half and like almost like a hot dog bun, and then you take the pit out of it, and then you put like a little dollop of peanut butter, smooth or chunky, and then you sprinkle some chocolate chips on top of it. And it's supposed to, in quotes, taste like a Snickers bar. So I tried it and it's really good. I love it. I wouldn't say it tastes like a Snickers bar, but it definitely doesn't taste like a date, which I do like dates, but I don't, I'm not going to sit down and eat like 15 dates, but I would sit down and eat like 15 of these. They're really good. And I know it also seems crazy that it would, I just feel like it's a nice, I don't know, healthy alternative to like when you, I mean, granted, chocolate chips aren't the best thing for you, but if it's just like a little, we, we do like the mini chocolate chips. I, I don't know why. I just like the minis uh, better than the regular ones, um, but it's good. So anyone out there who wants to try a date peanut butter chocolate chip combo, 
if you've tried it, let me know because we can we can chat about it. Anyway, um, back to this salad. So she starts by making a lemon vinaigrette, which is uh, lemon juice, a table of Dijon mustard, some salt and pepper. And then she gives it a whisk while pouring in some olive oil. Uh, pretty simple stuff there. Uh, so next she cuts up an avocado or avocados, multiple, which are perfectly ripe. And she puts them in the vinaigrette just to make sure they all get a little bit of that so they don't turn brown. Um, and then she layers them on this like beautiful green plate. I guess it's more like a plat. It's like a, it's like a plate and a platter combined, a plater, I guess. Um, and next up is the fruits, Ugh, the grapefruits. She cuts off the outside and then just sections it off over the avocado. She kind of like, I feel like she does this when she makes like an orange dessert sometimes. Um, she like kind of, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. She cuts in between each of the like sections. Ugh, I'm not doing a good job at explaining this, but if you know, you know. Um, so she drizzles a little vinaigrette on top of it um, before the commercial break. And she says, now all I have to do is finish up the paella. And I like threw my laptop across the room because she said paella again. I was like, come on, Ina. Um, and speaking of the paella, she takes it out of the oven after the commercial break. Um, she adds a little bit of Pernod, which is an anise flavored liquor or liqueur, excuse me, which sounds disgusting. I don't really, I feel like anise is like in the licorice family. I don't really love that, but I feel like with this, um, you know, with this recipe, it'd be fine. I really sound like I'm hating on everything she's making. I'm just... I don't know. I have to speak my truth. <laughs> and I hate licorice and I hate anise. I, ugh, there's nothing worse than when you think, like when you get a pizzel for like the holiday and you think it's like a vanilla one and then you bite into it and it's anise. And then the anise also like infects all the other cookies. I feel the same way about like mint anything. If there's like a mint something in a bag and there's other things, it's all going to taste like mint. I think that's one of the reasons why I... I get mad about mint stuff. I'm like, it's just, it's everywhere. It's like glitter. It's the glitter of desserts. <laughs> mint is. Put that on a tote bag or something. Anyway, rant over. Let's get back to this uh, paella, shall we? So she adds uh, one and a half pounds of lobster meat, cooked lobster meat to the paella. And then she adds some kielbasa, which... I have to say, I was just talking about this a few weeks ago. I can't remember who I was talking to, but in Pittsburgh, not everywhere in Pittsburgh, I have to say this, but in my hometown, which is a suburb of Pittsburgh, we call kielbasa, are you ready for this? We call it kabasi. Like, if I was to spell it, spell it phonetically, it would be like K-A and then the word bossy, B-O-S-S-Y. I have no idea why. But I called it that all my life and still to this day call it uh, that, especially around my family. I mean, I'm not really saying kielbasa like so many times, you know, like all the time. So it's fine. But I just remember I remember when I went to college and I pronounced it that way that my friends were just like, what did you just say? And it's like if I were to ever walk into a family function and say, like, pass the kielbasa, I feel like my brother would like <laughs> would, like punch me in the face <laughs> I, but I don't know why. Like, that's just how it is. I don't know where that originated from. I, 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 I guess the ultimate irony here is that I have been, like, roasting Ina this entire episode for mispronouncing paella when I've been saying kabasi all my life. So maybe we'll call it even, Ina. Um, but yeah, kabasi. 
does any i mean i'm saying this to like no one i mean i know a lot of people from pittsburgh listen to this i've seen the stats i know you're out there um but does anyone else in pittsburgh say kabasi if so please write in and let me know so i don't feel as alone but anyway um back to the paella Ina adds she adds some kielbasa by the way uh, because it's also cooked already and you just throw it in there um and then she adds some frozen peas which i think is the last thing yeah this is the last thing she adds to it and then that's pretty much all she wrote she puts the lid on it so it kind of just steams for 15 minutes and uh she said she's going to finish it off with some fresh parsley once it's served uh so next everyone is seated outside i will say this is a very like waspy group of contractors i was picturing like a table of like 14 men with like dirt and sawdust all over their faces. I don't know. Frank, the architect looks like he walked out of an L.O. Bean ad, which I mean, I should have known. You know what I mean? And I feel like the guy who did her garden that one time, they had like that beautiful carrot cake in the backyard. I feel like that was more than a couple episodes ago. And he was fine, the gardener guy. Uh, But he was also there because I guess it took place in his garden or the garden that he made and Maybe there was a collab there. I don't know. Um, So they're chit-chatting. Ina asks Frank, the architect, when her barn is going to be ready. And Frank says, I guess it depends if we're going to have lunch like this every day. And Ina says, so wait, if I'm making lunch every day, it's going to take longer. And then Ina says, and he's like, yep. And Ina was like, no way. Then no lunch for you. And then she steals his plate. Everyone laughs. And then Frank says, no, no, tomorrow. It will be finished tomorrow. And Ina says, okay, you can have your lunch back. And then everyone laughs. And they all do a cheers with their (laughs) disgusting iced tea. (laughs) Oh, gosh. And that's the end of the episode. So um, maybe one of the more negative episodes... (laughs) In my opinion of just me going on rants about iced tea and uh, grapefruit and Pernod and everything like that. But hey, we all learned some things. We learned the correct way to say paella. We learned the correct way to say le crusette, which I just pronounced incorrectly, but it doesn't matter. And we learned that I also pronounce kielbasa incorrectly and will probably continue to do so for the rest of my life i think if i'm in mixed company and not with my family i would probably say kielbasa maybe i'd say kabasi just to rile everyone up and just you know start that conversation of just why pittsburgh is so weird but you know you gotta you gotta honor your roots (sighs) well that was a great episode i had a lot of fun i know i took a week off but it's good to be back with all of you i hope you enjoyed this episode um and i guess we'll wrap it up here so thank you everyone for listening if you want to follow the podcast on social media you can follow it on instagram and twitter at good vanilla pod i might be getting rid of my twitter i might be getting rid of my personal twitter and the good vanilla twitter i just feel like i'm not on it so more on that later anyways uh but you could also send me an email at goodvanillapod at gmail.com Also, I made a group for The Good Vanilla on Facebook. Very easy to find. Just search The Good Vanilla. And if you are enjoying the podcast, please be sure to subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review. Or just tell another Barefoot Contessa fanatic. That also works, too. And if you want to know where to get more of me, you can follow me maybe on Twitter, but definitely on Instagram, at Nick Kochanov. And you can find me on my other podcast, The Best Supporting Podcast, every week with Colin Drucker. Thanks again for listening, everyone. Stay safe, and I'll see you next time.